invade this place. I think that's the word, invade this place. And as I'm singing that, the side door like opens up over here on the side. And I'm like, oh, man, he's here, you know? Like he just walked in. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And I, I'm not the only one. Derek saw it too. He's like, Dad, did you see the door open? I'm like, yeah, who did that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, it, it's a good reminder, even if accidental, that the Holy Spirit is here. And that we're not just singing to ourselves. We're singing to Him. He is here. He is the guest of honor every Sunday when we meet. So um, anyway, that was funny. Um, I want to talk about church leadership today. And I was, I was chatting with Eric earlier this week when we were talking about the order of worship and, and just how that was all going to look. And um, I said, this is going to be tough because every year I go to the Global Leadership Summit, almost every year, at Willow Creek. I mean, and they gather some of the best leadership experts to speak, you know, in Chicago. It's, it's a great time. Some of you have been there, and I thought, you know, I've heard some of the best leadership talks I've ever heard at the summit, you know, um, in, in August. And I thought, I'm speaking to people that have actually been there. Like, what do I have to offer? So, you know, with that, with that weight, um, but, but I do remember last year there was, there was an amazing moment during the conference. It was one of my favorite speakers. I've heard him a number of times, uh, Patrick Lencioni. He's funny. He's nerdy. It's just perfect. It's just a perfect, he gets distracted by things easily. And it all, it all comes out while he's talking, but he always gets his point across. And he was talking about hiring. And, it, you know, you think hiring, that's got to be a boring topic. Somehow it wasn't. It wasn't boring at all, you know. So he's talking about hiring. That was what his message was about, the, the things you're looking for when you hire somebody. And uh, he starts describing... Um, the Cleveland Browns and and how they have this I, I don't know I don't know what word to use but like really ba- really poor leadership you know and, and he's telling us this and you're like they're, they're doing these picks during the NFL draft and they're picking really flashy players they're not going to help the organization right but they're, they're picking them and it's not working and they have a terrible record and he's just he's just letting them have it the Cleveland Browns and after he's done talking. You know, everybody's applauding, and we're all... Some of you are laughing because you know exactly what I'm going to say. You were there. Everybody's applauding, and everybody's like, oh, great message. This is awesome. And then Bill Hybels, Pastor Willow Creek, gets up and he says, just so you know, the owner of the Browns is like here right now in the room, like in this session. And they have the guy stand up, and everybody's cheering, yeah, you know. It's like, it was just one of those perfect and painful moments, you know, that you've ever had as a speaker, you know, so... Um, I thought, at least I've never done that before. You know, lambasted somebody that was in the room, you know. Man. Uh, But I do want to talk about, I do want to talk about the pain of leadership. The pain of leadership. Uh, If I'm owner of the Cleveland Browns and I'm sitting in an auditorium full of thousands of people, I think watched by hundreds of thousands of people around the world, and I'm just getting called out, you know, and I'm in the room that's a painful moment for my leadership, right? I want to talk about the pain of leadership. Now, if you look at your, if you look at your message uh, notes and your, your title on your, in, in your bulletin, originally this is called the privilege of church leadership. And I, I wanted to talk about like eldership and, and leadership and in the sense of who are we looking for, what are they supposed to be doing. But as, as the week went on, I just kept seeing in this text pain. I saw leadership and I saw pain. And I knew I wanted to talk about leadership today because this is actually the day we are 
uh, going to be commissioning the, the Honey Rock staff because uh, next week their, their worship services start on Sunday next week. So we're going to commission them at the end of the service and bring up the, the board members and we're going to pray over them uh, at the end. So I knew I wanted to talk about leadership. I just didn't think I was going to go this direction. And, and a little, it made me a little nervous because to talk about the pain of leadership, I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound whiny because that's a, that's a temptation. That, that, that's, a, that's a real thing. I also don't want to sound self-congratulatory, like look at us leaders, look what we take, look at us. You know, I, I don't want to sound like either of those things. But I can't escape what I read in the text, and I see it, and I just want to preach what I see. So would you turn to Acts chapter 14, and we're going to talk about how church leadership is painful. It's painful. And right now the Honey Rock staff is saying, how is this going to encourage us as we go into our summer? Really? <laughs> I'm not predicting things. I'm not, I'm not a prophet. I just, you know, this is what we're going to do. Acts 14. We're going to start in verse uh, 20. So if, if, if you're one of those copious note takers, hopefully you've already crossed out the privilege of church leadership and you, you replaced it with pain, right? Okay. You did that. How many of you did that already? Anybody? See, you know who you are. There you are. It's what? Priority. But you crossed out and wrote pain, right? Yeah, good. Right. That's it. That's right. Good job. Good job. Okay. Here we go. Let's start in verse uh, 8. This is Paul's missionary journey with Barnabas, and they're traveling around. They're going to go city to city, and I want you to see what's going on in their life. Here we are. In Lystra, there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up, and he began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian, I'm going to go with that, language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. To them, you know? But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and they rushed into the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, He let all nations go their own way, yet He has not left Himself without a testimony. He's shown His kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, They had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. So this is a big turn of events here. They won the crowd over, these Jews that came down. They stoned Paul, dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derbe. Uh, verse 21, they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, 
Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each of the churches, each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. I will pause there. I see pain. I see pain in chapter 14. I see people proclaiming the message. I see Paul and Barnabas at the end. And if I was going to preach about the priority of church leadership, I was going to really center it on verse 22. Like, what's the job of an elder in the church? I think it's verse 22. Strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. That's what we do as leaders. Strengthen and encourage the disciples. But I want to broaden it a little bit and just talk about church leadership in general, or maybe even leadership in general, and say, it's painful. It's painful. And I want to show you that in the text. So let's do this. Um, If you look at verse 14 and 15 with me, you see that Paul and Barnabas are having a lot of success in the city of uh, Lyconium. Lyconium. And they are healing. They healed this one man that was crippled from birth. And everybody saw it and they knew it. This guy is healed. And so everyone is celebrating Paul and Barnabas. And they're calling one of them Zeus and one of them Paul is called Hermes. And and, and the priest is coming out to sacrifice. And they haven't seen anything like this before. And and when Paul and Barnabas see it, when they see what's going on, and and I kind of get the impression that this is starting to happen. And it's kind of like, hey, wait a minute, what's going on? And, and people might be talking other languages, you know. They're talking in their own language, this Lyconian language. And, and you kind of like, I'm kind of picturing Paul and Barnabas like, what do you think they're talking about? I don't know. Just Let's just watch and wait and see. Hey, they're bringing some animals out. What do you think's going on? I can't understand the word they're saying. What's going on? And, and suddenly they, they, they kill the, 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 the bull, you know, and, and they're offering and they're like, this is for you, Zeus. This is for you, Hermes. And they're like, What? I didn't know that that's what they were talking. Did you know? I didn't know that. You know, no, it's not us. And they start ripping their clothes. This is 14 and 15. It says, when they heard of this, when they finally understood what was going on, they tore their clothes. They rushed into the crowd, and they said, "Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We bring you good news." They're like, "It's not about us." And so, number one, I'd say, leaders have an ache for God to be known for God to be known. And if you're a leader, and and, and even if you're not, you probably had an experience like this where you were trying to communicate with somebody and they just didn't get it. You know, there's somebody that you were inviting to the Easter service and they didn't come and you've been working on them for weeks and they didn't show up even though they said they might. Or you've been trying to share your faith with somebody and tell them about the Lord and... You know, in trying to share the gospel with them, maybe you tried to make the gospel real by, by doing good works for them. You know, maybe you showed up and you mowed their lawn or you, you, you took their kids after school and you thought, I don't just want to love them by telling them the gospel. That's the biggest thing. I want to love them by showing them my love, doing good works to them. And maybe you did those good works and by the end of it all, they're like, oh man, thank you for that. Now I get it. To become a Christian, you've got to do good works and then God's good with you. And you're like, no, no, it's not it. 
It's not about my good works. It's not about what I'm doing. It's about what God did. And that's what's going on here. They heal this guy by God's power, and the people are like, let's get the sacrifices out. These guys are the gods come down to us. And it's like, no, he's the God who gives us the power. And so, in many ways, you leaders, you feel responsibility for the people around you. You want to show them the Lord. And when they don't get it, it just hurts. It's painful. And when you kind of step back and you go, how could I have done that differently? You know, How could I have prevented the sacrifices from being offered in my name, the name of Hermes? You know, like How could I have stopped that? And so you kind of look at the, the events leading up to it. This is what leaders do. This is what weighs on their mind. How do I make God known? How do I point? Now, on the other hand, bad leaders want the attention on themselves. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look how great I am. But I'm talking about good leadership here. Good leaders ache when the message is just not getting across and people are, are not seeing what you hope that they see. And, and leaders like this have to trust that God is going to even work in the, in the mess of it all. That God's going to even work when people don't seem to be getting it. And somebody thinks you've got to work your way into heaven because that's what we all do. We do good works here. No. No. That's painful. Number two, this is painful. Leaders face intense opposition. This is uh, 19 and 20. When some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. Like, here they are. Like, we're not gods. We want to tell you about God. And I can just see maybe Paul and Barnabas thinking, we're going to turn the tide here. You know, we're going to stop these sacrifices and we're going to tell them about the God who made the animals that they're sacrificing. We're going to talk about Him. And you can feel like things are happening. And then verse 19, like it comes to an abrupt halt. This is the halt. Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Like they traveled to do this. They got the posse together. Let's go. Let's go get Paul. And they traveled for miles and they came into this crowd and suddenly the whole thing shifted. And it was not it wasn't about like it wasn't about worshiping Paul, it was about killing Paul. And so Paul was stoned. And I don't mean he was smoking anything. He was he was stoned. And they drug him out of the city and, and, and they thought he was dead. I mean, so what that means is he's probably bloody. He's probably unconscious. And they're like, he's done. Drag him out. And maybe he was. Maybe he had no heartbeat. Maybe he wasn't breathing. And and someone was by his face like, he's done. And they drug him out. Maybe the Lord revived him outside the city. I don't know. Or maybe they just didn't pay attention. And he was, maybe he played dead. I I don't know. You know, if I just lay here, maybe they'll stop throwing rocks at me. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I know I read this. And, and I get this feeling of, and I'm, I'm a huge Rocky movie fan. You just got to know that, you know. And what I love about those movies is he doesn't actually have to win. He just has to keep fighting through all of the beating he's taking in, in, in the ring, you know. Like he just keeps, that the highlight of those movies is he just keeps going forward. Like you can't stop him. You may even win the match, but you can't stop him, right? He's going to keep coming. 
And I see this in Paul. Like, here it is. Verse 19. They stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. Like, who is this guy? If I get stoned and people drag me out for dead and I get back up, what I'm thinking is, I want to see a doctor. And I'm probably going to go back to Antioch or Jerusalem or somewhere and I'm going to recuperate. And I'm going to have a pity party and I'm going to lay in bed for a while, you know. They wanted to kill me. They, first they wanted to sacrifice to me and worship. Then they wanted to kill me. That's a lot of emotion in one day. i got to take a break. And Paul gets up and he's like, no biggie, I'm going back into the city. That's what it says. He goes back into the city. And this is it for leaders. You're going to face intense opposition. You're going to cast a vision and somebody's going to be there and say, I hate that vision. What? You know, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. And then you're going to be like, but, did, but didn't, I, didn't I hear from the Lord on this? Didn't I feel directed by this? What's going on? There's the opposition. There's going to be people that don't know Christ and they're going to say, we don't want anything to do with what you're trying to do in this community. We don't want your message. We don't want your Jesus. Just keep it. There's going to be intense opposition. Thank goodness they're not throwing rocks because they would if they could. They would if they could. And you're stepping into that position saying, here's the target right here. I'm the leader. You can throw one at me. As a leader, that's what you do. You paint the target. You step out and say, this is where we're going. And then you try to duck, you know. And some of us get good at ducking. Some of us don't. And and you get knocked over for a little bit. Um, That's it. That's the pain of leadership. But you got to keep going. The point is, if God brought you to this position, if He gave you this direction, if you're leading with this team, hopefully, that's surrounding you, you keep moving forward. You go back into the city. You dust yourself off. There you go. There you go. Uh, Number three, I can't escape this either. I can't escape that the leader's pain becomes the lesson to the people that they lead. Ouch. You know, my pain becomes a lesson for others. I'm thinking about how often I've sat down with somebody and I'm hearing their story and it reminds me of my story in some way. And they're not always exact, but I'm able to share something. And I see this in Paul because look at what he does. Like, he just got stoned, right? He just got dragged out of the city. And now he's traveling from city to city to city. And I'm sure he's telling his story. You know, they tried to kill me. You know, in Lyconia. He didn't like me there very much. Um, But verse 22, look at what he says. Strengthening the disciples. So he's traveling from city to city, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And these are the words he gives them. This is like the statement. This is the quote. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Well, no kidding, Paul. You know? And, 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 and in some ways, we're tempted to say, this is just the leader's pain. But Paul broadens it and says, no, it's your pain. Do you want to enter the kingdom of God? Church, you got to go through pain to enter the kingdom of God. Not to earn it, not to earn it. But this is part of it. Entering the kingdom of God, the way is narrow. It's not easy. And so what leaders do is, 
they lead by example. Their life becomes the lesson. And whatever's happening in their life, I've been privileged to sit down with church leaders talking to a family where the leaders get to share their, their own stuff, their own pain. And that makes the connection. That, that's the teachable moment right there. Leaders don't step up and say, I've got it all perfect. Everything's going well for me, so now I'm ready to lead you all. No, leaders step up as wounded people. Leaders step up with their own pain. And they're called by God to be transparent enough to say, boy, life is hard too for me. But this is how we enter the kingdom of God. Through pain, through trials. Uh, Number four. Uh, Leaders enter into the pain of the other, the other person. I think I see that also in verse 22 when it says they strengthen the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. When you speak with people that are, that are going through trials, I, I'm assuming when Paul says this, it's not all a bed of roses for those disciples they're talking to. Paul, you got stoned, but we have no idea what that's like. They're there as well. They feel it. And so leaders, especially ones that have empathy, they enter into the pain of the other. They weep with those who weep. They pray for those. They, they struggle with them in it. And even though they can't fully take on and they can't fully shoulder that pain, there's still a sense of, I feel it with you. What you've just shared with me is something that I carry. I want to carry a little bit as well, even though I can't carry it the way you do. That's the job of the leader to sit down one-on-one with that person and and hear them talk about their struggles and for you to hear it, care about it, pray about it and then ask them a week later, how's it going with that? What's going on? This is what we do. We enter into that pain and even in a sense we feel maybe just a little bit of it. And then uh, finally, number five, I didn't know if I wanted to go here or not, but... uh, I think it's appropriate. Uh, confession time. Leaders can also be the ones who cause the pain. It's a hard way to end a message. We're not going to end quite on that note, but leaders can also cause pain. Who, who got this angry mob together? Who had this idea, let's stone Paul? Let's kill this guy and get rid of him? I didn't read the verse earlier, but I'd like you to look at verse 5. I bet you're going to guess where I'm going with this. Verse 5, There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and the Jews. They're collaborating together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. The stoning is a leadership decision. A leadership decision. It's not just a riled up mob that said, hey, I hate this guy, let's pick up rocks. It was, there was tactics involved here. Strategies. And, and I think with this, I guess I want to say two things about this. I know that leaders can cause unintentional pain. You know, you make a decision, it doesn't work out the way you wanted it to work out. 
and you're like, oh, unintended consequences. <clears throat> we got to own that. I mean, we got to own what we can own of that. Even if it's unintentional, even if it's not sin, we've got to own that. There's the confession. But the other side of this is some leaders have caused you pain and they're not apologetic and they don't care and they've hurt you. This is also a reality. There are some prideful leaders out there. There are some nasty leaders out there. There are some leaders that want to lord it over other people out there. And they're not good-willed. And, and if you've been part of something like that, and, and maybe you just happen to walk back into church on this Sunday of all Sundays, you know, I'd say this to you. And, and I'll say what, what happened to Paul. If you look again at the text, 19 and 20, this is what I'd say to you if you've been maybe the victim of something like this. Then the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and they won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. I'd say a couple things. If you feel like you've been stoned by leadership... Um, verse 20 let the disciples gather around you right let the disciples gather around you you say it was the disciples that hurt me though uh, there may have been some leaders there may have been some people let the caring disciples gather around you pick you up wipe your brow set you back on your feet and send you back in for the mission God has called you to. Don't give up the mission just because you've been hurt. Don't give up on the church. There are plenty of caring disciples who will pick you up off the ground and bind up your wounds and love you. Don't give up on the church. Leaders can cause pain. And you need people to help you work through that pain. And I didn't, I didn't see it on my first reading, but I saw it on my second or third reading of the text that Paul just didn't stand up himself. He had people that picked him up, that gathered around him. So with all of this doom and gloom and pain and, and all this, you know, aching, thanks a lot for that. Uh, who wants to be a leader uh, we're in a, an election season for the church of electing new leaders, elders, deacons, deaconesses, ministry leaders, you know. How about it? Um, so you say, you say to yourself, why? Why do this? I'd do anything else but this, right? Why be a leader knowing all this? Because leadership is a privilege, I believe. It's a privilege. Because Jesus leads the church. And he suffered. Do you know how many religious leaders opposed Jesus? Do you know? 
Like they hated him. They hated him. Pilate was going to release him. Except for nasty leaders, religious leaders that said, no, crucify him. You know, in this, I didn't point this out earlier, but just a little, it might mean something to somebody here. Uh, Verse 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed leaders for them in each church with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord, committed them to the Lord. The word committed is also the word commended. Some of your translations might say commended. Do you know the last time Luke chose that word to use in his gospel? Or maybe he didn't choose to use the word, but, but it was used in one of his books. The last time Peter or Luke used that word was in Luke 23 when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, Father, into your hands I commit, I commit my spirit. Leaders commit themselves to God through the good and the bad. Leadership is a privilege because Jesus leads the church and we lead underneath His leadership. So what do I have to say about that privilege? One verse to give you. Um, Galatians 4.19 Here's a verse for you leaders that say, why in the world am I in this? When Paul says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. There's the ache. There's the agony of leadership. Whether it's with, even within your family, within your church, in your ministry that you're working in. <clears throat> I'm in childbirth until I see Christ formed in you. But when you see Christ formed in that person, it is beautiful. And you just stand back when you're a leader, you get to see the miracles. You get to see the miracles of God. You get invited into people's lives, into personal places you would never be in, maybe otherwise. They, they invite you in. When you withstand the pain of leadership or any kind of serving in the church or wherever, you get to hear the well done. Leaders are needed because hell is hot. And we don't want people to go there. And so we need to guide people in to the kingdom. We need to nurture their faith so they don't give up. We don't want to see people walk away from Christ. Leaders are necessary. And so I could do a totally uh, new message on all of, the, uh, all of the joys of leadership. And I could be here for hours. I could be here for hours listing them. But I think it's good to know There's pain as well. Through many trials, we enter the kingdom of God. So some final applications. Final applications. Number one, I think our church needs a a really... Uh, I think we need a new. I think we need a process for training up. I'm sorry, I went overtime. All right, I won't do it again. Man, all right, no. Um, or I'll be stoned. That's right. That's right. Oh man, tough crowd. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I think we just need a process for training up leaders. How, how do we get? 
from being um, someone serving in the church to someone leading in the church. I think there needs to be a process for that. I, I, I hope that we start, we're developing that over the next year, being intentional about that kind of thing. Uh, number two, uh, we need your unceasing prayers for upcoming leadership positions. We're hiring a youth and family pastor. We met for the first time uh, a week and a half ago. We need your prayers unceasing for that position. I announced last week um, that we have now the uh, secretary vacancy here at church. We want to put some the right person in that position. If you know somebody, or if that's something God may be laying on your heart, let me know. I'll show you the job description. We'll talk about it. Um, but we have positions to fill here. Those are just two. And there's many others. And we'll talk about those in the coming weeks as well. Um, who, who's going to be the new elders? Who's new deacons, deaconesses? What's God going to do here? Because as leaders go, so goes the church. Oh, we've got to pray about that. Number three, the Lord might be calling you into leadership. And if you get asked something, if someone approaches you from the board and they ask you a question of the nominating committee, prayerfully consider it. I'm not saying you've got to say yes. Prayerfully consider it. I'm sure my message convinced you of, of the merits of it, right? Um, <laughs> number four, if you've been hurt in the past by church leadership, please know you can share that with our elders and receive prayer and counsel. I would love nothing more than to help you work through something that's happened in the past. Sometimes I've sat down with people and I've talked to them and it's kind of like, yep, the church took some sort of action and I think it was right. And it kind of hurt, but I think it was right. And we kind of work through that. Or sometimes you look at that and go, no, I think that was a bad move. And then you talk through that, and how do you work through that? But, but you don't just stand back and conclude on your own. You guys are the bad guys. You do that with trusted, wise counselors. Get some good counsel. Get some prayer. Uh, come forward if you need to, and we will, we will talk. So um, in the end, I just want to say, leaders, let's, fo- let's help form Christ in people. And let's pay the price to do just that. Because Jesus paid the ultimate price. And he's leading the way. He is the great shepherd. Let's pray. Father, um, I thank you for giving strength to leaders, giving courage to leaders. I pray we would be a great leadership-developing church. Lord, I pray over these open positions, a secretary, the, open, the, the pastoral position, youth and family pastor. Lord, I pray you guide the right people into those roles. I pray for elders, deaconesses, deacons, others, vacancies and key leadership spots, key ministries. I pray that you would call the right people into each role. And finally, I pray for those that have been hurt. I pray that you would continue your healing work in their heart and that maybe some of our elders could be a part of that process of getting over the hurt. Would you show us what we can do to be that team that gathers around 
the person who's laying on the ground, bleeding and hurting. May this place, may this church be a refuge for all who come into it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.